Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply but the beauty of the game is that you and I could go tee it up with Tiger and Phil and have a handicap that's to play the same course, different tees, and enjoy a nice round together. And, and that's the difference between golf and the other sports. Today's podcast is brought to you by Roy's Umbrella. For all of your home loan needs, just go to roysumbrella.com. And if you need more information on a reverse mortgage, be sure and schedule an appointment with one of Roy's specialists. Folks, you're going to love Roy's Umbrella. No tricks, no nonsense, no extra or hidden charges at the end. You talk about loyalty. You talk about treating someone like a family. That's what it's all about at Roy's Umbrella. He and his staff are outstanding. Just go to roysumbrella.com. That's roysumbrella.com. My guest on the podcast today, you see him on NBC Sports and the Golf Channel. He's also worked the Olympic Games for NBC Sports. It's an absolute pleasure to welcome Steve Sands. Steve, how are you, man? It's good to talk to you. Doing great, Grant. Thank you. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good. Now, can I be like Tiger and call you Sansy, or do you prefer Steve? Grant, we've known each other a long time. You can call me whatever you want. (laughs) You know, isn't it unbelievable that it's been almost 20 years since you've been at the Golf Channel? It's just crazy. I was I was talking to a buddy of mine about it the other day. I mean, you hear the saying, time flies, I get it, all that. But 20 years seems like a long time. And it's been a magical run, and I hope it can. Before we get into what you do for a living at NBC Sports and the Golf Channel, I want to start off with playing golf, because you're blessed to travel around the world to cover this great sport. So I'm going to ask you, best course you've ever played and your favorite course you've ever played? Oh, man. You know, the home of golf is the one to me that that seems like the coolest place. So the old course at St. Andrews, you know, I played there. It's amazing. I had the amazing fortune of playing at Augusta National. You know, we we played some great courses, and we're very, very lucky. Pernbury is amazing. But if, if I had to pick one, it'd be real hard to not go with the history of the old course at St. Andrews. It's such a cool place. I had a chance to experience that uh, two summers ago, and there's just something about standing on that first tee box. Ah, It it gives you chills. It's absolutely unbelievable. You know, I was over there with – go ahead. No, I was going to say, how about the people who are watching when you're finishing? It's unbelievable. 
my gosh. All right, you want to talk about nerve-wracking. All right, so we played nine courses. We played nine rounds in seven days. And the last round was at the old course. And we had 12 guys, and we had been playing different types of formats every day. So we get down to a Ryder Cup format on the last round, and we have the red team and the blue team, and we're absolutely even going into the last day at the old course. And I get to the 16th, all right, and I'm down two. And I win the 16th. I bogey the road hole. The guy I'm playing with doubles, so I win that. We're all square going to 18. My caddy goes, just aim to the first fairway. I go, really? He goes, yeah, aim to that first tee box. I'm like, okay. So I hit my drive, and I ask my caddy when I get up there, how far are we? He goes, we're 152. And I swear, Steve, you know what it's like playing with the wind over there. He gives me my, he gives me a five iron. All right. And I'm, I normally hit that 185. So, and you know me a little bit. So I'm standing over the ball and I'm cursing at myself. I'm, I'm literally going, this is going to be the, 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 the most important shot of your life. Don't screw this up. Blah, 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 blah. I hit the best shot I hit all week. And it lands about 10 feet in the upper right quadrant of that green. And there are probably 40 or 50 people, Steve, as you said, around the green, just hanging out like they do. And I, I'm not kidding you. I swear, I walk up to the green and they're clapping. Great shot. Great shot. Long story. I make the, I make the, uh, I make a par, the partner makes a five. So I win, I win that match. But you know what we loved over there, Steve? And at Scotland, I, I, I encourage so many people to visit it. Almost to a man. We played Turnberry. We played Royal Troon. We played Carnoustie, Old and New. We played uh, Muirfield. You know what we really all liked? We all agreed that our favorite course was Kings Barnes. We all love Kings Barnes. Kings Barnes is such a cool place. Just doesn't have the history. So like the AT&T Pebble Beach here in the U.S., the event over there is the Dunhill Link. Right. And the three courses they play are St. Andrews, which iconic. Carnoustie, iconic. And then Kings Barnes, which is just fabulous. It just doesn't have the history. Never hosted the Open. It's a newer place kind of thing. But, man, Kings Barnes is, is so good, Grant. I'm glad you got to enjoy it. Oh, it was phenomenal. All right, golf right now. Bryson DeChambeau, and it looks like others are following suit. How far these guys hit the ball now is just unbelievable. I've heard Jack Nicklaus talk about, really, let's modify the golf ball I want to get your take on your crystal ball with guys every year hitting the ball farther and farther. Good for the sport, or do we need to put the brakes on a little bit? Well, I think the time has passed to put the brakes on it. The USGA, you know, maybe got a little bit behind of it, behind it. Now you can't stop technology, Graham. My my only issue with with guys like Jack and Gary Player and those guys who have come out and said you know, that they're hitting the ball too far or they need to dial the ball back, that kind of thing. When they were playing, Grant, they hit it farther than anybody. And Jack was the farthest of them all. And, you know, you can't stop technology. If the USGA wanted to get a hold of it, I think they should have gotten a hold of it, you know, seven to ten years ago. But they decided not to. And now we are where we are. The, the problem with golf, in my opinion, Grant, has always been that you've heard the word bifurcation in golf a lot. You know, in basketball, the court's 94 feet. Three-point line's a little different from high school to college to pro, that kind of thing. But for the most part, 
you know, the game is played the same way. In golf, you and I go play golf. We're not playing the same sport as the PGA Tour players. So when you leave a flagstick in to putt out, you know, all of a sudden a couple of years ago they made the rule change. It looked really goofy, but now people have gotten kind of used to it. And they make those rules because it does speed up the game. It does help the amateur. And the pros are in the, you know, in the hundreds where the amateurs and the people who just play the game for fun uh, or exercise or whatever the case may be, it's in the millions. So if they want to do anything, they should bifurcate and have the pros play different golf balls and rules and things than we do. But the beauty of the game is that you and I could go tee it up with Tiger and Phil and have a handicap system, play the same course, different tees, and enjoy a nice round together. And, and that's the difference between golf and the other sports. You and I can't hit balls with Roger Federer and Novak Djokovic. You know, it, it's not going to happen. And we wouldn't be able to return a serve. So in golf, it's different. But I don't think they're going to dial it back. And I don't think they should dial it back. I think it's kind of, you know, the cat's already out of the bag. It's too late for that. I've had a chance to play the Olympic Club a couple of times. Once, fairly, uh, it was it was only a couple of, I, th- I want to say it was 10 days after they had the U.S. Open. And the greens, it was like putting on a hockey rink. I've always said this. Yeah. I've always said this. You've had the luxury of playing so many championship golf courses. And I've said, you know, Add 25 or 30 strokes to your score if you think you're a good golfer. If you normally shoot, let's say, in the low 80s at your club and you're you're playing a PGA course or you're playing a U.S. Open course, what would you think the average golfer should add to their score? If they really want to get an idea of what it would be like to go play, oh, what, do you think? what do you think, 30 strokes? Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, listen, if your name is announced on the first tee, now, we're in COVID, where there are no fans, it might be a little different. But when your name is announced on the first tee and you've got 15,000 fans going crazy, for a normal normal person to even get the club back and make full contact with the golf ball seems like a stretch to me. <laughs> I mean, right. I've stood there. I've stood there. And, I mean, I'm not shaking and I'm not nervous. But I've stood there on the first tee at all four major championships and the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup and the Players' Championship. I'm telling you, Grant, you you get butterflies just standing there, let alone trying to pull the club back. So I would say at least 30 strokes. Yeah, no question. By the way, yeah. the green speeds you talked about, the green speeds you talked about, Grant, are – they're just they're abnormal green speeds, man. They're not what we play. Mm-hmm. The whole locations are not what we play. So if the whole locations on Wednesday during pro ams are in the middle of the greens to make it easier for the four pro am people to four amateurs to have fun with their partner, during the four rounds of championship golf and especially at majors and big events, those whole locations are so hard. It's, it's, it'd be impossible for a regular golfer. You know, someone who's a, a, a 10 handicap, who's a, gets a nice player at 10 handicap. 10 handicap wouldn't break 95 in a final round of a U.S. Open. No chance. I, I agree. Don't I, don't think, I don't think it would break 100. Yeah, I agree. I, I, don't, I, I, just, I just don't think people have an understanding. It's just like, look, right, you and I have been very lucky in our careers. We've met a lot of, of great athletes. 
I remember the first time I met Peyton Manning, and I remember thinking, my God, he is an enormous human being. And he's like 6'5", 235, you know, he's an enormous man. But when he's playing football with five linemen who are enormous, a couple of receivers who are big, and he's standing on the sidelines with other guys, he doesn't look as big. But when you see them on their own, you can't believe how big these people are and how strong they are and how fast they are. And you have a lot of experience in the NBA. I'm not a massive NBA guy compared to, say, football and hockey. But there's not a better experience in all the sports as a fan. If you ever get a chance to sit on the floor of an NBA game and realize the speed and the size and the athleticism, it's just incredible. Golf's the same thing. You don't realize how great these guys are, Grant, until you go play with one of them individually or just watch them hit ball for an hour. They all look great when they're playing. When you watch them individually, you can't believe how far they hit it, how good they are, the putting, the chipping and pitching to two feet, tap in, walk to the next hole, the lack of stress these guys put on their games. It's it's remarkable. I agree with you. They wouldn't break 100. Forget 95. Uh, yep. A 10 handicap wouldn't break 100. I've had the uh, chance to play with Kevin Sutherland a couple of times, and it's just amazing to see a professional go out and how they play the game. And they it's like they never hit a bad shot. All right, I want you to take me back to around 2000, 2001. The Golf Channel's just starting out, right? And you are, where are you at in your career, and what lured you to the Golf Channel? Oh, man. So I was doing football, basketball. I was doing all kinds of sports. And I got a call from the Golf Channel. I was in Orlando doing mainly Southeast Conference, ACC, that kind of stuff. And doing some NASCAR over Daytona. And I got a call from the Golf Channel asking if I wanted to, you know, interview for a job at the Golf Channel. And at the time, this is 2000. I wasn't making any money. It wasn't an issue. We didn't have any kids. It wasn't a big deal to, to move or anything like that. But it was in Orlando. It was the headquarters was in Orlando. So it wasn't like I had to move. But I'd never done golf, Grant. I was I was, just, I was a regular sports guy. I never, never did golf. But they wanted me to at least chat with them about it. And I remember interviewing and thinking when sports before cable busted out went crazy and before – all these niche channels, you know, sports, you just had a lot more time to do sports. You had a lot, you had a lot more resources at the time to do sports. And I thought, boy, if you go to the golf channel every single day, the sport you're doing, the event you're doing is the biggest thing on the network you're, you're working for. And my dad and my mom, I remember talking to my mom and dad about it. And they were like, the golf channel, I never heard of it. You know, people like, you know, I had never heard of it, that kind of thing. And I figured, you know what? You know, it's national TV. It's not regional. It's not local. How about we give it a shot and see what happens? Kind of roll the dice. And I did, and uh, it was the best decision, obviously, I ever made career-wise. Do I miss doing the other sports? Yeah, of course I do. But it's it's a great game to cover. It's fascinating. The athletes are fascinating to cover. There's always great storylines. Competition, obviously, is amazing. And Tiger, being as big as he was, Grant, it made the sport cooler for people to play. It also made it more fun to cover. 
you know, at the time. I remember thinking, wow, going to a Tiger event, that's pretty good. And I mean, think about it. In 2000, he was as big an athlete as you could be sure. uh, in American sports. And that was it. You know, I remember one of the guys who hired me saying, you sound good for golf. You you got a good vibe for golf. And I remember thinking, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. <laughs> and they're like, you know, you know, you're calling football and basketball games and doing all kinds of different stuff. But I remember him saying that to me. And I'm like, oh, okay. But it was, you know, it was a little bit of a roll of the dice, but it really wasn't that much, right? It was, the Golf Channel had been established at that point. It started in 95. So it had been established there. It wasn't like it was a rocky road financially for the channel by the time we got to 2000. At, at 95, 96, 97, there were some tough times. But the, the people who founded the Golf Channel were amazing. And uh, I just, I got lucky, Grant. You know, what are you going to do? I, mean, sure. I, I don't know why or what or how or who it all happened, but I just happened to get lucky. And it's been a great ride. So I'm very, very, very thankful. We've seen you anchor events uh, with NBC and the Golf Channel. We have seen you and heard you with your play-by-play. And we've seen you do countless number of interviews uh, at the end of majors and huge events, whether it's the Ryder Cup. Do you have one interview that sticks out above the rest? That's number one. And number two, how difficult can it be when you are talking to a golfer who just melted, who just lost everything on the 18th hole and yet they still grant you an interview. Those must really be the challenging ones. Yeah, those are, it's a lot more fun when they win, (laughs) but that's, you know, but that's sport. And to me, the, the, one of the great challenges of our job is when you're dealing with adversity in sports and, and, you know, and you keep it in its proper context. It's just sports. It's not like real life, but in the, in the moment, it's, it's a very big deal. The best interview, favorite interview. I tell you what, Grant. There's one. There's a lot that stick out. Um, you know, when Tiger won his 80th PGA Tour event. You know, something about sports that's like birthdays and anniversaries. When there's fives and zeros, it seems like it's more important. It's not. It's not any more important than his 79th or his 81st. But his 80th happened to be that real special one at East Lake when all the fans were coming down behind him and they were going crazy and that kind of thing. So that was very cool. He was emotional. The interview went well. That always helps. And he got emotional. His answers were great. And it was just a, it was just an amazing moment in sports. It was going head to head on a Sunday against the NFL. And he's such a captivating athlete that the entire nation was watching. It was, a, it was just not that the audience matters to us at the time we're doing it, but you get the sense of how big the moment is depending on the athlete who is accomplishing the feat or trying to accomplish the feat in front of you. So that was a really cool one. But I think the best, the most fun I've ever had doing an interview, and I think the best one I've ever been involved in, had Roger Federer down near near where you are, Grant, at, at Doral. Roger Federer was playing the old tennis tournament at Key Biscayne, mm-hmm. and Tiger was playing, and the PGA Tour was playing a World Golf Championship at Doral. And actually, it was before a World Cup championship. It was, a, it was an event at Doral, a PGA Tour event at Doral. And Federer went over to watch Tiger. At the time, Tiger was the number one player in the world in golf, and Federer was the number one player in the world in tennis. The two, arguably, greatest players of their generation, and some might argue the greatest players of all time. And I just happened to say to Tiger afterwards, hey, can we grab you a second? He said, of course, not a big deal. 
And I looked at Roger. I said, I'd never met Roger. And I said, any chance that you'd want to kind of do it together with him? And they, they were friends. He came to watch him. And again, I'd never met Roger, but I figured I'd ask. And Roger goes, yeah, sure. Happy to. Could not have been nicer. Wow. Grant could not have been a better guy. Here we are. And normally in TV, you know, interviews are not very long. You know, you got to get back to the action. But here you have Roger Federer and Tiger Woods. And we went on for a good 9, 10, 11 minutes, back and forth. The questions and answers flowing so easily. You know, there are very few people on the planet who know what it's like to be you, but you do. So what's it like? What's more difficult, being number one in tennis, being number one in golf, being, you know, what's, what's, how would you compare getting to the top of your sport versus remaining at the top of your sport? What's life like being Roger Federer, being Tiger It was amazing to go back and forth with them on it. And we went on forever. So to me, the most fun I've ever had, and to me, the best interview I've ever been lucky enough to be involved in was that one. The two greatest players, in my opinion, of their generation. Absolutely. I don't think of all time, perhaps, maybe. You could argue that. But of their generation, and it's the two individual sports. It's not team sports, you know. You could argue Mike Trout or someone else. You could not argue even close. LeBron right. or Michael. But like Roger and Tiger in their individual sports grant. It was, a, it was a special time. It was a lot of fun. Boy, that's, cool. that's unbelievable. Uh, we know what Tiger Woods means for golf. We know what it means for golf on TV and ratings. We saw that when he wasn't playing over that period of time. And then when he came back, boom, yeah. the ratings go through the roof. Uh, there will come a time when he's not relevant on the PGA Tour. Who's coming up? Who are the players that you think are going to carry this sport, barring injury, for the next 10 years or so? It's a a great question. I think there are a lot of great players. I just don't think there is someone like that. I think to be like that, Grant, I don't know what it is about tennis. You've got the three of them. You've got Nadal, Djokovic, and Federer all going crazy, and it seems like they're the only three who've won anything um, as far as the Grand Slams go for the last 15 years. In golf, I mean, Justin Thomas is a great player. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Jordan Spieth great player. He's struggled lately, but he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Rory McIlroy, great player, going to be in the Hall of Fame. Brooks Koepka, great player, is going to be in the Hall of Fame. Dustin Johnson, great player, going to be in the Hall of Fame. But none of those guys, Grant, grab your attention like Tiger. And I've always said that, you know, to be great in sports is one thing, but to be the guy and to be the guy who everyone wants to see, win or lose, it's a special and it's the special things inside of you externally perhaps the tigers you got to look the part you got to act the part you got to play the part a tiger with the smile he looks great in clothes he's he's not like you know 7 foot 5 walking around like george mirasan he's a, he he relates to average fans to sports fans you know curses a little bit on the golf course. Uh, he gets the massive fist pumps, uh, incredibly dominant record. These guys are great, but Dustin Johnson's not doing that. Rory McIlroy's not doing that. You know, Brooks Kepka's not doing that. None of them are doing that. Justin Thomas, they're all great players, but they're not the star that Tiger. Tiger was a star, man. Michael Jordan star. I mean, these, these guys are different worlds, man. And 
I think these young guys are really, 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 really great players, but I don't think any of them will ever match the stardom of Tiger. I don't even think it'll be close. Did you ever think you would witness Tiger Woods making a 10 on a par three? Yeah, that was a tough spot. <laughs> no, I did not ever think that. I mean, that, that, was, uh, <laughs> that was a tough spot, Grant. Well, I'm wondering, because on that hole, you know, the par 3 12th, you know, amen oh, yeah. corner. We saw the meltdown last year, and we've seen Jordan Spieth go in there. What is it about that hole where players are hitting nine irons, they're hitting wedges once in a while on eight with the win? What is it? I mean, I know the setting is magical. I had a chance two years ago to be there myself, and it was the first time. And I just, I, I, it, you have to be there to really understand the, the incredible beauty and everything else that goes with it. But that hole is just one of the greatest in on the planet. You've been there so often. What what makes that so darn magical? If it, well, the setting first of all is spectacular. It's a very low point in the golf course. The azaleas behind the green, uh, not this November, but the azaleas are normally sure. behind the green. It's just really pretty, beautiful canvas, and the pressure of the way the hole. Uh, is designed where it is on a golf course. You know, the, you know the old saying that Masters doesn't begin until the back nine on Sunday. Well, you know, once you get through ten and eleven, you think, okay, here we go. I got a, I got a short par three. I got a par five thirteenth. Fourteen's birdieable. Fifteen's a par five birdieable. Sixteen, you hit the right shot. That's a birdie hole. You know, like you, twelve just seems like a magical, magical hole. Two things about twelve that people need to understand when they watch the Masters again in April. Watch the player. Look to his left. They're looking at the 11th green and the flag on 11 green to see where the wind is coming from because the wind comes from over there. The reason they look at it is because 12 is so protected by the trees behind it, the flag usually isn't pumping the way the wind is. So because of that, Players look to 10 o'clock. They look to the 11th green where they've just come off that green to get to 12T to see where the wind direction is. The other thing is the water, Ray's Creek's right there. Uh, the water's right in front, excuse me. Is, and the green goes from, say, 8 o'clock to 2 o'clock. It doesn't go straight across. So when that whole location's back right on Sunday, you see a lot of guys go in the water. Because that carry is a much longer carry than it is if you hit it to the center of the green or to the left side of the green. That's why they always say, just hit it over that bunker in the middle of the green, onto the green, two putt, take your three, and dance over to 13T, the par five where it's reachable, where you can start scoring. When you get greedy at 12 and you go for that hole location and that ball gets caught up in that wind, Grant, it's not going to make it over that water. That's why Tiger made the 10. That's how Speed did it in the water twice when he should have won the Masters in 2016, back-to-back years after winning it in 15. That's where Francesco Molinari went in the water last year. Brooks Kepka in the water last year. Ian Poulter in the water last year. So 12 is such a tricky hole. It doesn't seem like it'd be a lot because it's a short iron, but because of the pressure, the moment, where it is on the golf course, what golf course you're playing, what tournament you're playing, it can get really tricky down there in that part of the golf course. And it's just, it's not, it's the best par three 
in the world. It's not the most famous. I think 17 at Sawgrass is more famous. But 12 at Augusta is as good a part three as there is in the world. When I started covering the NBA in 1988, one of my big thrills when I went to venues for the first time, such as Madison Square Garden or the Boston Garden, and I'm talking about going onto the floor. I had never been to the Boston Garden, but going to shoot right. around and dribbling the basketball in the old parquet, and and it was unbelievable how many dead spots there were. And I remember standing at the oh, center yeah. circle and then going and making layups and doing that at the Great Western Forum. But you've played Augusta, and I would think that if you took a poll of golfers – anywhere in the world and you said you can only play one round of golf which course are you going to choose i believe that augusta would be the number one choice you have played there a couple times what on earth must that be like to tee the ball up and go play that 18 (laughs) holes it's it's really bizarre there's less oxygen on the first tee at augusta than anywhere else (laughs) there's no doubt i don't care if it's the masters (laughs) or if somehow you and i get invited to play there your knees are wobbling your hands are sweating it's not trembling it's a cool place, but I'll tell you what, it's very playable. It's wide. You know, it's a playable golf course. It's not like it's some brute of a golf course because they don't allow normal people to play from back at the master's tees. They make you play from the member's tees mm-hmm. and not make you, but they have you play from the member's tees. Uh, but it's, I mean, it's as good as it gets, Grant. I mean, it's a it's a fantastic place to play golf. There's no debate. There's there's a great place to get a drink. It's a great place to have dinner. It's a great place to play golf. The whole the whole experience is is a joke. It's fantastic. What would you guess the difference is in total yards from where the pros play and where the member tees are? Oh, it's a lot. It's it's it, it could be upwards of seven hundred wow. yards. Um, you know, I I think that if you're playing the members tees. You know, it, it could be anywhere between six, it could be around 66, 6,700, perhaps 65, 6,600. Uh, that, you know, you, you start playing it from the tips um, the week of the Masters, it, it can get north of 72, you know, 100 yards. It's a lot. I mean, it's a big, big difference. And the biggest difference, Grant, is for, for people who love golf, the greens at Augusta are a lot easier, like every other green complex in the world, when you're hitting nine irons instead of five irons or six irons. That ball's going a lot higher. It's got a lot more, It's got a lot better chance to settle down on the green and not go over it or do something funky. If you are playing from the tips and you're a normal golfer at Augusta National, you're hitting such long irons and long yardages into those greens that you know, your chance of scoring well is is pretty much gone. It's it's a hard course from the tips, man. It's a hard course from the yep. members' tees. From the tips, it's a joke. I mean, for a normal golfer, I mean, it's, it's really, really hard. Earlier, you talked about some of the sports that you miss covering such as football and, and hockey. I've been blessed in addition to doing the NBA. I, I've done the NFL and I've done the NHL. But the one thing I always wish that I could have done and I've never had the opportunity was the Olympics. And you had that opportunity. Your first Olympic Games, yeah. and I know you did speed skating. Correct me if I'm wrong over in Sochi, but what was that experience yeah. like for you? It was amazing. I, you know, it's funny. Somebody was asking me the other day. Um, I mean, Gray, you and I are old. I mean, someone asked me the other day, when's the last time you were nervous on TV? And I said, yeah, I don't remember the last time I was really nervous, but I do remember the first time we came on the air in Sochi in 2014 to do speed skating. 
I remember my legs were trembling like I was on a high dive. Wow. And I've been doing this, you know, I've been doing this 30 years. So in 2014, I've been doing it for 25 years, 24 years. And I just remember, it's not like it's a different thing to do. You know, you're still broadcasting and it's still sports and you do your homework and, you know, you, you have your charts, blah, blah, blah. But I just remember thinking, this is the biggest sporting event in the world. And there are 30 million people watching this. <laughs> right. I'm like, I my mother was alive. And I, and I remember thinking, you know, my mother used to call me Steve-O. Steve-O. That right. kind of stuff. And I remember her, her texting, you know, me going, you know, have fun, Steve-O. This is really cool. And I remember like, oh, my God, there are a lot of people watching this thing. And I remember my knees were trembling. The atmosphere of the Olympics is so amazing. It's such a cool event. And it means the world to those athletes each and every time they step out onto the ice or the pool or onto the track or whatever the, the sport is. And, you know, if you need to know anything about Yekaterina Lobisheva. <laughs> I'll tell you, though, I, I love speed skating. I think it's fascinating, you know, the endurance races, but then the, the, the quick races, you know, where, man, oh, man, and, and some of the spills they take, but the speeds they get on that ice are unbelievable. Steve, I'll tell you what's fascinating is I've had you on now for over 30 minutes and you have not mentioned the first place Washington football team. Like, I thought that would be right off the top, man. I'm just blown away. Well, it's your show, Grant. I don't want to take charge and and make fun of you that, you know, the Giants lost a home game and the Washington football team won its fourth in a row. And now has a commanding one-game lead with three games to play with six wins on the season. <laughs> Somebody's got to win, Steve. Somebody's got to win that stinking division, and they're going to have a home playoff game, right? I'll tell them my, our youngest son's in 10th grade. And if you remember, Grant, when we were in 10th grade, you lived for your team. Oh, yes. And my our, our 10th grader lived for this. And he was all jacked up. And I said to him, and then, he, and then he said something to the effect of, yeah, but if they're under 500, I said, let me tell you something. The last two division winners in the NFL who won their division with a less than 500 record. Seattle and who? Not only Carolina. Wow. Carolina, Seattle and Carolina both won their games, and Carolina should have gone to the NFC Championship game that year. So you never know what will happen. That's right. Who knows? It's been a crazy 2020. Let's see if we can win the division, host a playoff game, and, and let's see if we can give it a run. You never know, man. The Giants beat the Patriots when they were 17-0, and 0, right? Or 16-0, and 17-0, whatever it was. And, you know, they, there was a foregone conclusion. Your Giants won that one. They won another one yeah. against the Patriots. Yeah. I mean, both of them, I believe the Giants were wild cards, right? Correct. Yes, they were. Yeah, I mean, you never know in sports, man. I mean, let's tee it up and see what happens. It's very unlikely. I just like to see us beat Seattle on Sunday, and I like to see the Eagles lose to Arizona. Yes, uh, but, that year Seattle, if I'm not mistaken, seven and nine. The Saints they beat were an eleven win team, were they not? I believe, I think they were twelve and four. Oh, okay, that's amazing. So I I'm think, with you. I think it was a. I think it was one of those deals where they were twelve and four. Maybe they were eleven and five, right? but they were either eleven or twelve wins, and they were a wild card because they didn't win their division. They had to go to Seattle. And they won the game. And look, for anybody who said, by the way, it's hard to win in sports. And to win a division, I don't care if it's 6 and 10, 7 and 9, or 8 and 8. Winning your division matters, man. They deserve a home game. I don't care what anybody says. Tiger Woods, his comeback, Alex Smith, who, I mean, almost died. 
almost then lost his leg, had, you know, so many surgeries, you can't count them. What a story. And I was so sorry to see him, you know, get hurt in San Francisco. But the good news is everything looks good. But you've covered sports for a long time. You are from the Washington area. We know how crazy of a fan you are of that football team. Is there anything that comes to your mind that would top the comeback story of Alex Smith? I mean, honestly, it's it's beyond remarkable. He might be the toughest guy in sports, man. Yep. I mean, my gosh. The story is incredible. I'm glad he's okay. I know he had a calf strain yesterday or this past week when they played. By the way, the field in Arizona, how does the NFL allow that? I agree. That's not even NFL worthy. I agree. It looks like FedEx Field from five years ago. <laughs> I mean, right. That's the worst field. Guys are slipping all over the it's place. Awful. Guys are getting hurt. It was ridiculous. You That's know what's ridiculous? They, they they bring that field in from the outside. That that They roll that out, and it's outdoors. They water it, blah, blah, blah. Then they bring it back in, and you're like, wait a minute. You're spending all this money on this technology, and it's just awful. Embarrassing. You guys are professional football players. It's, it's embarrassing that the league allows games to be played on a field that bad. But anyways, Alex Smith is just an incredible comeback story. I mean, good gosh, the way he's come back, they ought to rename the, the, the award the Alex Smith Comeback Player of the Year award yep. for the comeback that he's made. It's incredible. Good for him, man. I'm happy for him. Obviously, he's the quarterback of the team I root for, and I want him to play great. But the story is just incredible for anybody who saw that documentary. He almost lost his life, almost lost yep. his leg, and now here he is as a starting quarterback back in the NFL and playing decent football. He's not, he doesn't look as good as he used to. But how could he? It's it's an amazing story. Ron Rivera can coach, man. He is. He's a hell of a coach. Absolutely. No question about it. Hey, it's been an absolute treat having you on, man. You are awesome. You know how much I respect you and admire you and been a big fan of yours for a a long time. And I'm really happy that we could do this. I, I really appreciate it. Anytime, Grant. Whenever I hear you, whenever I see you texting, I know either two things are coming. We're going to be chatting. Or you're going to be talking about the Giants. So it's great. <laughs> you are right on about that. Really enjoyed that with Sansy. Just um, a lot of fun. I've known him for, gosh, quite a quite a while. Not 20 years, but I probably met him 15 years ago and have always enjoyed uh, talking with him. Really appreciate uh, Steve Sands coming on. Time now for our Q&A. And if you go to crowdquestion.com, it's easy to sign up. And then you can ask me a question and I may answer it right here on the podcast. First question from Mickey. Why do you think so many teams put up with harmful egos like Boogie, Harden, or Antonio Brown when teams like the Spurs and Patriots have proven they're worth avoiding? That's a fabulous question. There is so much pressure to win that very often franchises will turn their head the other way when they know that they shouldn't. And you see it in sports all the time. Antonio Brown is a great example of this. Antonio Brown, in my opinion, should not be playing in the National Football League. He has lost his right, in my opinion, to play in the National Football League. I think it's a disgrace that he is back playing uh, in the NFL. James Harden, on the other hand, um, he has been a really good player and has helped his team win. I personally would not put James Harden in the same category as Cousins or Brown. Cousins, you know, a lot of people don't want to really look into this. 
But DeMarcus Cousins has played for Sacramento, New Orleans, the Lakers, the Warriors, and now the Houston Rockets. Now, he went through some very bad injuries. We get that. But when he has been available, okay, when he has come back, how come that no one that coached him once wanted him back twice? Think of that. You know, people talk about Michael Malone. Michael Malone would have traded DeMarcus Cousins if he could have, all right? You see Michael Malone going out asking DeMarcus Cousins to go play for the Denver Nuggets? No. Now, Michael Malone's a class act. He's always going to speak fondly of DeMarcus, and I think as a person, he likes him. So I have no problem with that. But you don't see, you know, Michael Malone going out and having DeMarcus Cousins go play in Denver. You, you didn't see Alvin Gentry, you know, go say, we need DeMarcus back in New Orleans. You didn't see Steve Kerr, when they need a center, say, you know what, let's bring back DeMarcus, okay? You didn't see the Lakers last year. They had DeMarcus, all right? And you didn't see the Lakers go after DeMarcus Cousins. Who do they end up signing? What, Marcus All? So keep that in mind. You know, locker rooms are a very tricky environment, especially in basketball, when you don't have a lot of guys in there. And one guy can absolutely destroy a locker room. I heard Doc Rivers talk about this at an NBA broadcast meeting. It must have been six, seven, eight years ago. And he was talking to us at a meeting in New York. And he talked about this very thing about how one bad apple, one guy that's out of control, can ruin a whole locker room. And he is absolutely 100% correct. 100% correct. Great question right there. All right, Ryan, what do you expect the Browns to do in the playoffs? Well, they got to make the playoffs, all right? And then we'll see. Baker's played very well. They've really missed Odell Beckham, don't you think? Jeez, not at all. They're playing well, you know, and they got a really good, you know, their running game is very solid and that sets up everything. So, you know, we'll see. Do I think they could beat Kansas City? No. Do I think they would beat Buffalo? No. Do I think, you know, they could beat Pittsburgh or, or yeah, I could see that. I, I don't see them beating. I mean, to me, if they get in the playoffs, it's great. I mean, when's the last time the Browns fans have had a chance to look at their team in the playoffs? So it, it's good for the NFL and it's good for those fans. All right, Kevin, who is your NFL coach of the year at this point? I think Brian Flores. I think he's done a great job with the Miami Dolphins. I really do. I think he's done a marvelous job. Uh, No one expected the Dolphins to be doing what they're doing. Uh, Really, a tough loss over the weekend to Kansas City. But they were right there. They battled to the end. Um, I like what they're doing. I really think that Flores has done a marvelous, marvelous job. All right, from John, currently watching the Niners game, do you think their trainers are at fault for all of the injuries? To me, it seems there is a clear problem and someone should lose their job. I do not agree with that at all. These athletic teams, these sports teams, uh, they had the best trainers uh, in the profession. They don't only have one. There's a staff that's made up of several individuals, and I totally disagree. My experience with trainers is when injuries occur, I don't blame the trainers. So, no. I disagree with you completely. All right. Uh, comment from Mayim. So up Project 11, it is almost uh, incomprehensible how bad his leg was. To get back to where he is today is amazing. Very inspirational. 
Always liked Alex Smith as a player, but I'm even a bigger fan now of Alex the person. What I think helped him the most in his comeback is what we all need more of, namely grace. Love your podcast. Yeah, grace, I think right now and what we're enduring as we wrap up 2020, yeah, I'm right with you on that. I think it's spot on, and the, his story is uh, absolutely incredible. It's time for Rant. Today's rant is brought to you by New Works Plumbing, locally owned in Sacramento for 20 years. Leak detection, waterline repair, bathroom plumbing. New Works Plumbing is a full-service plumbing solution. No matter how small or how large your plumbing problem, they've got a fix for you. Their expert technicians are available 24-7 for all of your plumbing needs. So call the experts at New Works Plumbing or just go online, newworksplumbing.com, N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. Is there a more overrated coach in the National Football League than John Gruden? I said this when the Raiders hired him, and I'm going to say it now. Once again, another meltdown for the Raiders at the end of the year. We saw it last year. When they went into New York to play the Jets, got blown out. Then they got blown out of Kansas City. They had that embarrassing loss, the final game at the Coliseum against Jacksonville. And John Gruden, once again, is following suit. They get blown out three weeks ago against Atlanta. They got an absolute gift, an absolute gift by the New York Jets, a gift. Then they try to ride a little momentum there, come home and get spanked by the Colts. What is it about John Gruden, Raider fans, that makes him such a good coach? Actually, I'll ask Mark Davis, who was stupid enough to open up the checkbook for $100 million. It was asinine at the time. It's even more asinine now. Of course, the Raiders, they're blaming him right now on their ex-defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther. You know, let's blame him. Let's not blame the guy that hired him, John Gruden. I mean, the Raiders' offense was terrible against Atlanta. It was terrible against the Jets. It wasn't that bad against the Colts, but yeah, I'm not sticking up for the team defensively, but John Gruden, give me a freaking break here. I mean, what an overrated coach he is. I, I, I'm tired of hearing about Gruden as this great football coach. I don't see it. And if you're a Raiders fan, I'd love to know what you think. Hit me up on Twitter at Grant Napier Show. Leave me a comment. What do you think of John Gruden? All right? I, I don't get it. I really do not get it. And folks, that is my rant for today. Hey, listen, I want to let everyone know that I put out video rants on YouTube. Check out my channel if you don't like that with Grant Napier, and you can check out my video rant. Uh, Love having you on board here. Do me a favor. Leave a comment, all right? And even though on the podcast platforms I can't get back to comments, I can on YouTube and I do, but trust me, I see them all. All right, I'm appreciative of you taking the time and leaving a comment. Uh, Subscribe, pass the word around. And as always, thank you very much for listening. If you don't like that, with Grant Napier. Hey. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.